I want to talk about that cross, and I want to talk about the last words on the cross. And we are in a series on Sunday night that's called Jesus Said What? Jesus Said What? And this is what he said on the cross. Now, there's other things that were said on the cross, obviously. A number of different phrases used. In the Easter drama, we'll see that. But one of the things he said is to telestai, which means it is what? Is that what Jesus said? Yes, that's what he said. He said, it is finished. The work is complete. But the interesting thing that took place in that town, in that city, while that was going on, as Jesus was making his way through the town with the cross, and he goes up Golgotha's hill, the place of a skull, and he was placed on that cross and dropped, the cross dropped in the hole where Jesus was to be crucified. There was a group there of merchants, people there that knew Jesus Christ as a servant. There was people in the presence of Christ that were mothers and fathers. There were people there that could relate distinctly and personally and culturally to the very things that were being said on the cross that we can't necessarily relate to today. So we're going to use the words, it is finished. Jesus said what? He said, it is finished to Telestai. And this is what it meant to the crowd that stood before Jesus Christ, the Son of God that was placed on the cross. So let's dig in together, all right? Of course, Scripture's going to be up here. You can break out your iPhone. You can break out your Bibles. Break out whatever you got, your iPads, tablets, and all that good stuff. John chapter 19, verse 30. One verse, and then we're going to jump around a little bit. I'm going to try to keep you awake so you can stay with me. So perk up. John chapter 19, verse 30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar and said, it is what? Well, Mark is the only one. All right, here we go. It is what? It's finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. He died. It is finished. I can't even imagine. And we've, we've heard this story because it's true. Given over and over and over again. From a bedside, somebody that may be passing away, as they gave the story of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, and resurrection. Because this is the story of salvation. This is the gospel. From the pulpit, to the living room, to the kitchen table, over and over again. But to stand in front of the cross, to be there in the presence of the Son of God and see this, that would be a true experience. That would be a story come to life in a way we could never experience by preaching and teaching. I wish I could be there. I wish I could feel what they were feeling at that moment as the Son of God lays down his life. It is finished, the last words of Jesus Christ, Christ, which were illustrated on the cross to all those in the crowd. It is something to know that the things that were finished at the death of Jesus Christ was the Savior's pain, Satan's power, sin's penalty, and Scripture's prophecy were all finished at that moment when Jesus Christ bowed his head on a lifeless chest and gave up the ghost. It was the Son of God that completed these things to give us the ability and the opportunity to experience new life. He said, I've come to give you life and that you may have it more, what? Abundantly. Abundantly. I just have a hard time having an abundant life sometimes. I mean, I I try Starbucks and y'all be proud of me. 
I've had three Starbucks in three months. That's pretty good for Dave Liudso. I used to have one every day to give me some energy. Put that heresy down. I see that Starbucks. Don't tip me, Satan. Then get, be, get behind me. But we are trying things to get us motivated, to give us abundant life, to give us energy, and give us excitement. But it all took place right here. This is where it all happened. This is where it all began. So, this life that we have, the finish of the Savior's pain on the cross, Satan's power, sin's penalty, death and hell, Scripture's prophecy, all of these things come together complete to telestai. This These words were so meaningful, so expressive, that unless you lived at that time, you may not completely understand. So let's, let's, let's jump in the DeLorean, for those who are from the 80s and 90s, and go back. Mark gets so excited about the easiest thing. Mark would have been a great kid to have, you know? You could give him anything on Christmas and be like, yeah! It's a stick, Mark. I know, but I can whittle on it. Mark is a happy guy. We're going to go back in time, and we're going to stand in the presence of the Son of God. Now, it's not easy to use the imaginations of people, because especially kids, because their minds have movies, and you just, you, you just can't compete. But if you can try, just for a minute, to place yourself at the foot of the cross, where the Son of God is there in the midst of all those people, and he's about to die. And there the disciples are watching. The people are watching. They remember what he did and how he ministered. You know how I would feel if my son was lame and he could not walk? And that man was the one that healed my son? We get excited about a doctor that intervenes and helps our family. But how about gives you sight when you're blind? Heals the lever and changes the life of a woman that was an outcast amongst the people of Samaria. This is the son of God. And he's dying and they're watching this. And it was gripping their hearts and you were there at the foot of the cross watching. And you'll notice as the people around you are observing, they begin to say things, discuss things. Because they notice the words, it is finished. I imagine in the midst of that crowd... There would be a man there that is prepared to give a sacrifice. His lamb, that perfect lamb. We know that historically that the feast, these special feasts that would take place in Israel, the, the, the religious calendar would allow for them at a certain time to come and give their sacrifices. And some would travel a long distance and would not take the chance For their sacrifice, that perfect lamb, to be hurt or harmed because it had to be a lamb without spot or blemish. And they didn't want anything to happen to that lamb. And so oftentimes, they would go to the city and they would buy the lamb at the place of sacrifice because there was a wonderful location. There was plenty of streams and and hillsides and caves and the the shepherds would, would herd their sheep around and we've seen this a thousand times so effectively and take care of those sheep because they knew that time would come where people would need a lamb without spot or blemish. And there in that crowd standing shoulder to shoulder with you is a shepherd looking on to the Son of God, and he knows prophecy, and he knows the words that the Word of God speaks of, that he will be the Lamb of God, a perfect illustration of a perfect man. 
And he would die for all mankind. And there that shepherd standing in the midst of the crowd. Here's the words. It is finished. By law the sheep were slaughtered and sacrificed. And had to be perfect without blemish. According to Exodus chapter 12 and Leviticus 22 and Numbers chapter 28. We see this very clearly written in scripture. So in his mind he knew. In the region of Bethlehem. All of those People that were committed to raising sheep for sacrifice were committed to make sure they were perfect without spot or blemish. And so we looked on the Son of God with the understanding that this lamb is fit for sacrifice. The same way he would look at the family that would come to purchase a lamb, he would look at them and say, Tetelestai, it's finished, it's perfect, it's perfection, it is fit for sacrifice. This word was very common amongst those that were shepherds because it was the words they would use to let the person know before purchasing of that sheep, that lamb, this lamb is worthy of sacrifice. You can rest assured there is security and the forgiveness of sin through this lamb that I am providing for you. So as he steps back in the crowd and he looks on the Son of God, he understands with all of his heart and knowledge of Scripture that this is he that committed no sin, according to 1 Peter chapter 2. This is he who knew no sin according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11. He is the one that had no sin, according to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 5. This is the Lamb of God without spot, without blemish, without sin, and he is worthy of sacrifice. And the shepherd steps back in awe of the Lamb of God because the words, it is finished, apply to his heart, knowing that this is the final sacrifice. There is no need to raise sheep for sacrifice anymore, only for meat. Because this is the final sacrifice. That is a powerful thing that hits the hearts of the shepherds that stand amongst the folks at the foot of the cross. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without what? Blemish and without spot, according to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19. Jesus is the worthy lamb. Worthy is the lamb, according to Revelation chapter 5 and verse 12. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Behold, behold, behold the lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He is the final sacrifice. But amongst those people was not just shepherds. Those words spoke deep to a shepherd's heart because those were the words he would use to approve a lamb. But also there... There was servants. Some would call them slaves. These were the words he would use within his, within his job, in his duty in the home. His master would give him a duty or a job. The servant's responsibility is not to serve the master, but to obey the master and complete the job that was given to him. So as the servants stood by their master and watched the Son of God, they understood these words, it is finished because they've used those very words when they would come to their master at the completion of a job that they obeyed the master and did. And he'd say to Telestai, it is finished, it is finished, it is complete, it is well done. I have done the work you've given me to do. Why? Why would that, why would that matter when it comes to the Son of God? 
The Bible says, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in who? Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a what? Servant. And was made in the likeness of men. Listen, the Bible goes on to say, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became what? Obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. This is a servant that was on the cross before all of the congregation that stood before him. The crowd, the multitude that stood at the foot of the cross knew there was something different about him. But the servant, the slave, knew something even more. That he is completing a work that he was given. This God is completing a work that was given to him. He's a servant. The Bible declares and makes it clear that Jesus Christ obeyed the will of the Father. First, the Bible says in John chapter 6, verse 38, For I come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Obedience to the Father. He is a servant. John chapter 17, verse 4, I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou hast given me to do. He's a servant, doing the will of the Father. To tell us thy, it is finished. I am a servant doing the will of the Heavenly Father. I have completed my work that he's given me to do. Twice during the earthly life of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father's voice was heard from heaven, declared here on earth, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, 17 and verse 5. This is my Son. This is my servant that was willing to do my will to save all mankind. So to a servant, these words dug deep in the heart of that man or or that woman that served because they knew what it meant to finish a job. Around the age of 30, many many servant slaves were let free, given their freedom. And they would go and do as they please. Very rarely would a servant choose to stay in the home and serve after the age of 30. Do you think it's by chance that the Son of God's ministry came to light at the age of 30 and he ministered according to the Word of God in the New Testament for 33 and a half years and then was crucified? Could it be he wanted to declare to his Father, I am not only your Son, but I am a servant and I'm willing to go past the age of accountability that was given to a slave or a servant to show to you that I'm doing it out of my own free will. I am past the age of 30. I declare to the Father and to the people that I am doing this because I love my master, my Father. My God, I will do the will that he's given me. That, to me, is powerful. To think that the servant could relate to the very words to tell us it is finished. It hit their heart. We don't serve a God that does a halfway job. We don't serve a God that's just barely hanging in there to get the job done halfway. He's going to do it the way it was meant to be done, the way the Father has asked him to do, the way it was prophesied to be done. That is completing the work. It is finished because this is exactly the way it was prophesied. This is exactly the way God ordained it to be. In the midst of that crowd, there's another person there, one that most people wouldn't relate to or think these words would relate to them. That would be a farmer because a farmer would use the words In the barn or in the field, when a cow was given birth to that calf and the pain it was going through, 
Oftentimes, they would declare the words to Telestai, it's finished, the pain is over, it's complete, there's new birth, it's done. So the farmer hears the words to Telestai, it's finished, and he thinks within his heart, new birth? Pain is over? How does, with these words, why did the Son of God, why did this man use the words, it is finished? To declare that the pain of the cross is complete, the work is done, and new birth will begin. Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we become Christians, we become new creatures, right? The word creature means person. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are what? Become new. New life through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. These words related well to him. The pain is over to tell us die. Jesus fulfilled the duties he was given. Now, the pain on the cross is illustrated in Psalms chapter 22, verse 14 through verse 17. And it's so graphic when you read that. Because the Bible says in verse 14, I am poured out like water and all my bones are are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It melteth in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of the death. For the dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones why they look and stare upon me. A gruesome, disgusting picture of the crucifixion of Christ as he looks down on his body and declares, I can literally see the insides of my body from the cat of nine tails that ripped my flesh apart for 39 strikes came upon my body from the top to the bottom. They stretched my arms and stretched my legs until the very joints were pulled apart. Not one bone in the body of Christ was broken, but dislocated and removed. Distorted skull as the thorns would break across the brow of the Son of God. And the very cat of nine tails would wrap around the Son of God as easy as a snake would go around his prey and rip the flesh from the sides. There's no way for me to illustrate something like that. It's been said so many times. How do, you, how do you illustrate the crucifixion of Jesus Christ? It's brutal and disgusting to think they would do something like that to a man. But there he is in all the pain. But the pain was not just to illustrate the end of physical pain on the cross, but the end of spiritual pain for all mankind. Why? Because the Bible says this. The Bible makes it clear. Whom? In Acts chapter 2 and verse 24, who God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of what? Death. I have seen some horrible things, and so have you, if you've ever went to the hospital and watched somebody pass away, somebody suffering with cancer or some kind of sickness and disease. It's miserable. It's sad. But I'm so glad when they close their eyes in death, if they're a believer in Jesus Christ, they have a new life on, on the other side with the Lord Jesus. Because this old body's has passed away. The pain, death, this world we live in that it brings so much frustration physically. You know? Yes, I heard Pastor Tony told everybody, I'm turning 39. My pains are increasing, you know? I'm an old man now. I, when I decided to uh, grow out my beard, you know, I, I, I thought, this is cool, this ain't bad, until I noticed something. I was looking in the mirror, and the longer it got, the more gray it got. I was like, what is this? What has happened to me? My kids were like, what is that, Daddy? It's just, I don't know. It's life. It's, it's Daddy getting old. But one day, I don't have to worry about getting old. I don't have to worry about death. 
man, one day we're going to live a life in heaven with a perfect body. I'm going to be the only guy up there with a fro. Because I have requested, God, give me some hair. I'm going to love it. I'm just going to have like, phew. I'm going to look like the who's a whoville walking around just like that. Man, heaven is something that we cannot understand until we stand face to face in the presence of Jesus and see the glory and the wonder of, of a true life, a perfect body. Isn't that incredible to think about? There's the farmer understanding that pain is no more, spiritually and physically. And then you see the merchant, the merchant that stands to the side with with the idea in the back of his mind, I got to get back to my job. I have to sell my fruit or sell my flour or sell the pots that I've made. I've got a job to do. He's thinking on it, but he's, he's so captivated by what's happening here. To see the very son of God, the one they prophesied would be the king of kings, die? What is this? What is this we see in front of us? What's going on? Then he hears the words to tell us diet is finished. Why? Why would he use those words? All those people that have come and bought things from me and owed me money throughout the years and pay payments and pay payments, those are the very words that I stamp on that parchment paper to say, it's paid in full, you're done, no more bill, debt-free, you're good to go. Why? Why those words? Because to the merchant, those words meant paid in full, complete, done. Merchants were all through the word of God and Jesus Christ even himself used an illustration talking about the merchant and his, his obsession with making money. And, and, uh, and then we see in Matthew chapter 13 and 45 and 46 other references concerning the merchants. Merchants were very, very prominent in the word of God. People consumed with money and the understanding. But some of them, some of them really understood the, the benefit of having all the payment that was brought in and it being paid in full. They knew how good it felt to have that payment complete. It felt just as good for them to say paid in full as it is for the person to receive the paper. Because the payment's done. So the words, it is finished, meant to the merchant. It's stamped, the bill is, the bill is paid off, it's done, it's complete. No more is to be added to it. Nothing else can be done. It is well done and paid for. Now, Something so important to understand here, when that happened, it was the fact that Jesus Christ, in a verse you know well, in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, it was dealing with the wages of sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's the gift of God that paid it forward. It's the gift of God that made it paid in full. Does everybody understand how important that is to us? But to the merchant, he was looking at this as to tell us that it's finished, it's paid, it's full, it's done, it's complete. But to us as Christians, we know that our debt we owed, we could not pay on our own. The wage of sin was beyond us. We fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. And that's why that wonderful song says, I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. I needed someone to wash my sins away. Remember that old song? Those words are so true because it is that debt we owed that Jesus, Jesus paid. The perfect lamb, the perfect man that was 100% God and 100% man without sin. 
Here he is on the cross. We are bought with a price, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. You belong to him. You're paid in full. There's nothing else you could do. There's nothing else to add to it. It's done. It's complete. The work is done. So the merchant declares, it's finished to the one that owes And Jesus declares to those that are dying in the sin, your wages of sin is death, but the gift of God makes it paid in full. And there is another man standing, maybe with the ability to create fine art, a brush in his hand or in his pocket, whatever they carry, their satchel. He was an artist. And the words, it is finished, are so distinct and so different for him than than anybody else. Because these words to him mean the work is done and nothing else can be added. This is perfect. If he finished a piece of art, he would say, Tetelestai, it is finished, it's complete, it's perfect. Don't touch it. Don't add to it. It's funny when the stage goes on. Rick Coey is an amazing artist, an incredible artist. I don't even think he's here right now, but, so I'm going to brag on him. He, he does an incredible work with all of the rock and make it look from foam to rock, and I mean, just love it. So I just, I just go under his wing and learn whatever I can learn, and I just soak it up. And while I was learning under Rick Coey, there was times, and Ashley is the same way. I remember when I first came here, I was just blown away. How do they do this? What, how do they, when we had, used to have youth rally, I couldn't understand how they did this, and I just wanted to learn everything I could, just watching, and I probably drove them crazy. And I remember there was a few times, I'm not saying it was maybe Ashley or Rick or something, that I would try to do something on something they already did, and they were like, no, 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 that's perfect, this is good, you know, this is the way it's supposed to be, don't touch it, leave it alone, you little bald head monkey, leave it alone, You're messing everything up, why, to tell us that it's finished, it's done, it's, it's perfect, it's exactly the way I wanted it, it's exactly the way I planned it, it's perfection, it's exactly the way the Father wanted it, it's exactly the way it was prophesied, it's perfect, say it's disgusting, maybe to the eyes of the world, The thought of singing about blood? That's so sick. But to a Christian, it's beautiful. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? How'd you get up there? My goodness, he's everywhere. I just had this thought, I'm going to be sleeping tonight, and I'm going to have a thought, and all of a sudden, there he is. He's going to be like, way to go, Pastor Dave. Get out of my room, Mark. I don't even know how you got here. (laughs) Nothing but the blood of Jesus. He's right. I know without a doubt that there's works that we can do as men and women in this world that are beautiful. This is beautiful. We are so blessed with talented people. The way some of you sing and some of you act, it's wonderful. It's art. But what takes place in the life of Jesus Christ was beautiful and perfect. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood there is what? No remission of sin. That's the work of the cross. It is the blood of Jesus Christ. You cannot add to it. Let me clarify. That means you do not add to your salvation by the recognition of baptism. You say, well, baptism is the completion of my salvation. It's the understanding of the inward work of God and showing an outward work of God's redemption. It is a work. See, 
if I use baptism as a part of salvation and apply it, then I've added to the work, the artwork, the perfection of the cross. That is adding to grace. It's wrong. You'll never find in scripture where you see the word baptize or immersion or anything dealing with baptism unless it follows salvation, believe, faith. Because that must always come first. Is a declaration, I belong to Jesus Christ. It's not an addition. And it is through the death, burial, and resurrection that we see the perfection of the cross and the artwork of the Father. And it was complete. And the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 10, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. How? Why? Why is this happening? Why am I seeing this man die and he's using these words to tell us that it's finished? The same words I use when I do art to say the work is complete. Why? Because that was the work and the art and the perfection of the Father and his will. And nothing is to be added to it. Nothing. The work is complete. And I close with this. We know the soldiers were there, obviously the Roman soldiers, and the soldiers knew the art of war and the importance of fighting and defeating the enemy. The war is over and the victory is won, was always declared with these words, to Telestai, it's finished. And as the, as the soldiers would ride into town and the general would ride in the front, they would hold up the dead enemy, the king they defeated, as brutal as it sounds, often the head of the man. And cry the words, it is finished, to tell us die, to tell us die. It is done, the work is complete, the victory is won, the battle is over. And so even the soldiers that stood at the foot of the cross in awe of the Son of God could understand that this man is declaring victory and he's nailed to a cross? Where's the victory, Jesus? How is there a victory when you're nailed to a cross? How could you say it's finished and the battle's complete? Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy what? Victory. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. There is no victory for death. There is no victory for sin. There is no victory for Satan. Because the battle is won when Jesus died and finished the work of the cross. That is victory. We can have victory over sin because Jesus already won the battle. It's complete. So the Bible says that one day we're going to put on incorruptible. We're going to put off the corruptible and the mortal man. And death ain't going to be able to have any dominion over us. It'll be swallowed up in what? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54. Victory. It's going to be over. The victory is won. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, but thanks be to God which giveth us the what? Victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, I know, I know y'all got your mind on a lot of things and some of you have been here since 3 o'clock for practice and you, we've got things going on tomorrow and we've got to get up early but I want you to know the most precious thing about this Easter is the fact that the words to tell us die or to let everybody know culturally today, the same way it was used then, that we have a complete work in Jesus Christ. 
Now, I can't relate to the shepherd culturally. I can't relate to the merchant. I can't relate to the general that ran the army and oversaw all these men, but I can relate to the person that's dying in the hospital of some disease or cancer, and they're this close to seeing the Son of God. And they're so ready to say, it's finished! And I cannot, I cannot count on anything the doctor can do. I can only rely on what God can do because he has given me the victory. He has given me the opportunity to have eternal life outside of this sin-cursed world. It's finished. There's no more work to do. You can try and you can try and you can try to live good. You can give up your alcohol, give up the drugs, give up the porn, give up all the problems and your big mouth running in the home. You can do it and do it and do it. But until you recognize that Jesus is a final authority to complete the victory, you are doing it in your own power. And the power of Christ is the only thing that gives us complete, absolute victory over these things. It is finished. We can declare to Telestai when we give our life and our ambitions and our goals and our desires and our marriage and our kids and our home and even that stinking dog named Hank. When we give it all to him, everything, we can declare he's in control. It's finished. Because I didn't win the victory. He did. And he did it 2,000 years ago. I just got to claim it i got to claim the promise of Jesus Christ.